Manor. Hello, welcome to Tip Manor Podcast. It's episode two of the season. We haven't been as frequent, um, but you know, we're back now. Uh, I don't remember who we had on last time. I think it was it's the same crowd, but without Tony Fallows, I think. So it's me, James, you got Connor, Jack and John. Uh, anyone get up to anything exciting in the bank holiday? Connor, let's start with you. Come on. Achievement. Achievement. Uh, cleaned a bike, um, did some right. PhD work and saw my niece and nephew. So quite nice. Okay, good. Strong. Not bad. Clean. Like it. Jack? Um, went to York Balloon Fiesta on Saturday, bottomless brunch yesterday, and then I was at work today. Oof. So things got progressively worse. Okay. Okay, good. I went to that balloon thing as well in York, um, and there were no balloons. And I was quite disappointed, given the title of the festival. I oh, even uh, went at a time they said balloons would be taking off. So if the organizers Maybe I stole them all. There was lots when I was there. I'm afraid. Okay, well, good Sorry. for you. What was your favourite balloon? The one shaped like a ship. <laughs> was that with a, a P, with a P, a ship with a P. <laughs> <laughs> this is a flying ship. Um, <laughs> John, how can, can you top that? I, I can't. Um, I mean, we've glossed over that you having the audacity to go on holiday for like three weeks. I mean... No leaf card was submitted to the podcast. Uh, I, no, you just went and left yeah. us all to fend for ourselves. I I honestly had such a good time you that um, <laughs> I arrived in an absolute panic. In it was Mallorca for anyone listening. Um, I got over all of the the panic over testing and getting quarantined out there. It was all fine. Um, but when I arrived, we were within 20 minutes of arriving we were playing Cambridge and so I managed to get legitimately onto iFollow to watch it <laughs> um on the balcony with a San Miguel and I was that was probably you know the best not part Estrella then there you go no it wasn't I had some Estrella I'm kind of a San Miguel especial kind of guy it's just a simple Gorin link but you know Britain. yeah I know I did have paella and drink Estrella at the same time I didn't take a picture and I should have done did you go into footed? Um, I mean, I was with like my mum and stuff, and <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, yeah. So no, so yes, no. <laughs> Slipped right. into the pool. <sighs> Let's see if we can do this under an hour today. I'm hungry, um, and it's bank holiday, and we've all got work tomorrow. So needs, James, I'm sorry, sorry. There needs to be like a moral of the story. At this point in the podcasts, like we've been doing so many, why do you not eat before? Well, because, you know, like <laughs> children, put the children to bed, sort stuff out, we, then do a podcast. We do this on you pure know, adrenaline. This is, this I, to be honest, I'm not one that eats at like five o'clock like a pensioner. <laughs> I don't know. Like when Neighbours is on. I don't know. People still watch Neighbours? Is that a thing? A Harold? Is Harold Bishop still loving life? <laughs> this is a spiral now, sorry. <laughs> Under an hour. That's five minutes of premium content. We've probably yeah. lost about 75% of listeners. Uh, this is an Oxford United podcast brought to you from uh, different parts of the country. There you go, just for anyone new. Um, news. Takeover stuff has gone extremely quiet. Jack, do you think this is a concerned they said it was going to all be wrapped up by the end of the window when's the end of the window tomorrow tomorrow night yeah so 
I don't know, KR said about this board meeting they had on Saturday to discuss what we're about to discuss in terms of transfer bids. So you would assume that all is fine in terms of it's not all about to collapse and there's a bit of chaos going on in the background. But equally, if it's done or about to be done, you would have thought there'd be officialness about it by now. Yeah. I don't think we have to worry about anything because they've they've already come out and... What's the guy's name? I can't remember the guy's name now that went walking around the training ground and stuff. Oh, Bakri. Bakri, that's it. Yeah, like he wouldn't have been on that merry brigade of bleh, brigade of media stuff if it wasn't going to kick in. So, sure, it's all fine. Um, on to transfers then. Uh, Connor, we've had quite a lot of noise around Cam Brannigan, um, notably today. Um, different kind of, I, I never know whether to trust these articles. Mm-hmm. You, you always get things on Twitter, and then it links to an article that asks you to accept like 20 million cookie banners and other bits and pieces before you actually get to any article, sign up um, to give a kidney, and then you get to see some content. <laughs> um, but a six-figure fee was mentioned. Um, what, what do you reckon? Do you reckon there's anything in this a day before the window closes? I think there's there's got to be interest in him, whether it's in Blackpool or elsewhere, but it seems to me as though everything that's come through the, the door to us at the moment has been repelled quite strongly. So um, it's only a good sign because, you know, think, things can move quickly in football, we know that. But um, I think if, if things have been rejected at this stage, then Blackpool are going to have to come back with, with something a, a lot more, you know, in our price range, I guess, for Brannigan, if they, if they are after him. I really hope yeah. they they kind of squash their interest because um, he's not a player that I want to see leave the club, regardless of who came in today, which I'm sure we'll speak about. I, I just, John, what do you, what do you reckon about the figures banded around? Where, where does he sit? Where does all of that sit with you? I think as we talked about previous pods, he, he's only just come back to full fitness. We've seen in the start of the season, he's played out of his skin. So that elevates his value a little bit above the kind of 500k that we turned down. To me, it's kind of gets him closer to a million pounds, but it's it still seems a bit early. But then I'm a bit scared because Blackpool are probably one of the few sort of championship teams that I could see him going to. There's still, for me, that thing about what championship clubs actually want a player who's, yeah, 25 in his peak, but come back from long-term injury. There's still dynamics like this. But then what's Herbie Kane all about? It's kind of... it's Yeah. Know, I'm still... That's yeah. added a new dynamic to it, hasn't it? And like, yeah. Jack, what are, Brannigan's from up those ways as well, isn't he? That's the other thing that was on my mind just when I was looking at it. Well, yeah, he's he's from the northwest, and Blackpool's manager would have coached him in the academy at Liverpool at one stage. So there's kind of a double link there, isn't there? But I mean, you would hope we made all this noise about the release clause and his contract expiring. Kr said on Saturday it's expired, so you know you would hope that we wouldn't settle for anything less than what the release clause would have been if someone had bid whatever it might be two weeks ago. So you would think, hope, that um, we're holding all the cards. He's got two years left on his contract. We're not needing to sell. It's not a a situation where it's, if we don't get money now, he can agree a pre-contract with someone in January. He can't. He's got another 18 months or whatever it is left. So we can milk someone dry essentially if 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 we want to or just flat out refuse yeah i it's going to be an interesting test of 
where the board are at, I guess. I just don't get it. Like two years left on his contract, he's twenty five. In he like we've just sold Rob Atkinson, who's pro- had less football league experience and has arguably proven a lot less. And we sold him for one point six. I know he's like got you know, what two three years younger than the Brannigan, but at the same time. I just don't understand if he was going for less than, mm. I think even like 1.5 or something. But at that level, I'd probably take it um, given the model. But at the same time, at what point do we just want to build a side that is really going to, you know, sustain yeah. a challenge? Because it has to, either we just accept that we're a top end league one type club or we make a stand. Um, so it's going to be really interesting, isn't it, Connor? Like where we are this time yeah. in a couple of days yeah and like i just said earlier i really hope that brannigan stays because so far he's been i mean the, all the games i've been to live this season he has been the standout player in nearly every fixture i've seen him in you know he is he's a solid seven plus out of ten every single game um since coming back from his injury anyway um yeah and i just you know i just think this this sign of Herbie kane today it's a real strange one because you see it as if Brannigan does leave, then you probably see Herbie Kane is pretty good business in terms of the loan deal because he's quite a similar player. He's a box-to-box midfield player, relatively similar in height. Work rate will be similar. Um, so it's a natural, you know, if Brannigan leaves, Herbie Kane will probably come and fit in that slot. But if Brannigan doesn't leave, I find Hervey Kane is such a strange transfer. I'm like, why Why did we need that position in particular? We've got, you know, we've got McGuane, we've got Sykes who can play in there, we've got Henry. Um, you know, Hervey Kane's not going to play in that Gorin role. Um, it's a real interesting transfer and it does make me wonder what we're going to see in the next you know, 24 hours or whatever is left of the window um, in terms of Brannigan, just because of that signing, to be honest. Yeah. It's kind of put me on edge a little bit. So Herbie Kane then, we kind of picked up on this after KR did an interview, um, I think it was just before uh, the Lincoln game, and he, he was really positive in with regards to the board obviously declining a few bids, so that was good to hear, and then he said he was really excited about um, the incoming player, obviously didn't know who it was at that point in time, but obviously now we know it was Kane. Um, Jack, are you impressed with Kane's kind of... Like, I want to say kind of attributes and how he could fit in and his experience. He, he looks like, what did he cost? He cost um, Barnsley 1.25 million um, back in October last year. So, he, you know, there must be some potential that hasn't been unlocked yet, I guess. I think he's another one that you can just class as fits our model. So he's a young player who's come through a premiership academy. He had a really good loan spell with Doncaster in this league. Um, and he was kind of being talked about as, you know, could be Liverpool's next big thing. Is he going to be almost like a Ben Woodburn and break through and make a couple of first-team appearances for Liverpool and everyone's raving about him? He got his second loan spell at Hull. Um, I think it started quite well and he got injured and he's never really kind of kicked on. Yet Barnsley were quite happy to pay, as you say, over a million for him. So there's something there. And we've had plenty of loans in the past and plenty of players like Lundstrom, Kenny... Etc. Etc. Who've come from these Premiership academies and have something about them, but they need to go and play forty games to prove it. Um, so it's one of them. If, if he goes and plays, I don't know, twenty five, thirty games for us, I think he'll be a massive asset. But equally, 
what happens in May if he's been absolutely brilliant? He goes back to Barnsley, Alex Mowat style, and we've kind of developed him for someone else. Yeah, that's but if what we've got promoted, you kind of, you know, which, which you know you want you want it to be that way rather than than be a massive flop. Yeah, their their fans, the Barnsley fans, reacting to their post of him joining us were. What was good to see is that they weren't all just saying good, like yeah, let's just move him mm. on, Deadwood type thing. They're all kind of saying, I think they all recognised they made that investment, so they were just a bit upset that it hadn't come to be. But then a lot of people referenced Alex Mauer and what happened when he was with us and what he's now going on doing for West Brom. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll have to see. John, I thought he had a bit of weight to him, like he reminded me of Pete Eleven when he yeah, first joined. No, us. that that was. An- <laughs> Excellent shout of the Peter Levin comparisons. He, he doesn't look like a sort of thoroughbred footballer um, in in his way. I mean, I just to finish on that last point, anyway, I still can't join up the dots in a way between KL's statement about how this was something that came along and we just had to strike. And he's a player who's had a good season in League One. He's obviously got a bit of pedigree. But to Connor's point about the who else we've got in the squad... Did, is he that much of a massive grab that we needed to do it? Yeah. I've no doubt when he gets on the pitch, he will do stuff that we'll be drooling over and we'll be thinking that's fantastic. But to me, it's it's still yeah. drool. <laughs> Hashtag, Hashtag drool. Favorite word. Um, <laughs> I just can't quite work out why it was deemed an absolute necessity. I assumed it was going to be a defensive midfielder that was going to be someone who would come in and challenge Gorin and be that sort of. You know, we've got three number eights, number 10s, whatever you want to call it. And unless someone goes, it sort of feels like, yeah, he's going to be brilliant. But who does he displace? Not that you need to... Can he Can he play that role? Does anyone know? No, he like, can't. Is he more of a... Well, no, he can't. He's, he's not he's really deep. there for. He, yeah. He can play deeper, but he's not a wrecker like Gorin. He'll be a yeah. deep line playmaker in FM terms, I think, whereas Gorin's yeah. kind of a kill everyone mode. <laughs> well, he he said himself in his in his interview uh, today that he's a box to box midfield player. So, you know, he's a bit like Brannigan because Brannigan's a bit like that. So this is why I see the comparisons between him and Brannigan. And this is I just I just find it really strange what, what that particular signing if Brannigan doesn't leave because I look at Marcus McGuane for example, right? So when we signed McGuane, everyone was so excited because we saw glimpses of what he could be when he was fit with us. And obviously he had his injury. He came back. He's now recovering from his injury. He's only played, um, he's only come off the bench and he started against QPR and he didn't have a very good 45 minutes and he got subbed. Um, and I look at McGuay and I think, you know, he must have his, you know, have his head down a little bit with this signing as well, because that's another player that's going to be take, you know, going for his spot in the team. I just um, wonder whether there's after signing a permanent contract, and I'm interested to see whether it will kick him yeah. on, for example. I think there's something in there must be some uncertainty about Holland, Bowden, McGuane from an injury front, and maybe that's why another body comes in. That's pure speculation. Yeah. If Brannigan doesn't leave, that's the only thought in my mind that can kind of work out why Herbie Kane was deemed that necessary. I mean, you can't be sentimental. Yeah. But I really don't think this is about binning off James Henry to get James, to get Herbie Kane in the team, and I don't no, think it's about binning off Cameron Brannigan to get Herbie Kane in the team. So I, it's a long old season. I, I go, think but... also it would be, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens to Sykes as well now. Whether Sykes will now start playing out on the right hand side a lot more, because obviously Sykes he, well, he started there on Saturday, started on the right hand side, and he was it 
oh, there's another game he played on the right. Was it QPR? I think it was QPR. I might be wrong. But um, where he had another good game out on that side. So he can affect the game from that position quite well. So perhaps it might be. I don't, I don't to want to break your heart, Connor, but I've got a, I've got a suspicion that Sykes could go don't. either now or in January. No. Like, how, how does he get games? How does no. he get games? The, 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 right. the comment on Sykes and playing wide was referenced by KR yeah. on Saturday. So I think the person who's at threat of a lone move out is Dan Aggie now. If oh, they're definitely. seeing Sykes as a, gen, as a genuine wide player, then I think you go, okay, what changed in the squad on Saturday? It's Kane and Fadji in the matchday squad. KL's yeah. comment about Sykes where he said lackadaisical, which was something I was like, that's exactly how I feel about Sykes in the centre of midfield at times. He can be a bit lackadaisical. Um, but I still think, if you think Ryan Williams has got to come back as well, he can play on the right. You know, I... Yeah, I can see if I was Sykes, I'd be kind of thinking, where are my thirty-five games this season going to come from? He's only got a one-year option. Yeah, but if, if I was if I was Dan Adji, I was thinking the same thing as well. But Dan Dan Adji so far this season has been very disappointing, and I and I don't think he's a a winger in the slightest. Yeah, I um, I think I I I don't know whether it's a problem. Thing is, we're not football managers, but I don't understand why the hell Carl Robinson keeps playing him out on the left or on the right because he's got a left foot and that's it. He can't cross. And he's not put in a position to run at people when he's in those positions. And I don't I don't like him out there. And, and to be honest with you, he's really struggled so far. So I feel like if anyone's going to go out on loan, I'd like it to be yeah. um, Adji. But also Cooper as well. He's in a bit of a strange position I, I as think well. Adji, though, like we saw it and we were singing his praises like definitely on the pod at times towards the, you know, in the run-in at the end of last season. And... I just think he's a player that has to be played down the middle, to be honest, um, to get the most out of him to where he's really going to trouble and distract like two centre-backs um, and allow your wingers to kind of take advantage. So I just, I agree. I think he needs to go out on loan and I think he will. I think he'll be gone tomorrow, but I I, expect, I hope it's like a positive move for him, like an EFL club that gives him, you know, some regularity of games and that type of thing. But um, yeah. Yeah, just so just well. to just to wrap up, I completely agree with what you said about Kane, though, John. In that, when Kr did the interview, he made it sound like ah, and I think I even sent a message to the WhatsApp, being like, "Sounds like we're getting an experienced, you know, player at this level that's you know got a lot of games under his belt and is going to really add something." And I, I, was, I even um, Kinnebra and Jerome, the guys talking about it after the interview, I think um, Stevie was saying. Ah, maybe Brandon Barker's coming back. Maybe it's Marcus Brown because you know it was the, that excitement that KR kind of led with. So I'm just um, there, yeah, was, there was, was rumours it was Jack Wilshere, <laughs> which I, I was like, no chance. They weren't rumours. Feel sorry for Amy. Feel sorry that was for just Amy. someone taking. Well, yeah, all right. But I feel I've, I'd felt I'd feel sorry for, for Amy Cranston if it was Jack Wilshere. Yeah, she need a raise. Um, Right, what else happened? Mackenzie Chapman joined. He was an 18-year-old keeper who was um, on scholarship at Man U but got some first-team football at Oldham last season. Did anyone watch his interview? Because he came across like a really good lad that was like, I thought, yeah, Jack, you saw it. He's, he sounded really switched on for 18. Um, my first thought, and I think I put this in the WhatsApp group when we signed him, was, oh, God, we're about to announce Stevens is going and we just wanted a non-registered under-21 to... <laughs> to fill the yeah. void, but I think KR's words about him have kind of soothed that a little bit. 
and I'll be happier once the deadline's gone tomorrow. Um, I think it's just about making the keepers' union bigger amongst the younger lads, really, and that's healthy. If we can have a few bright lads coming through, there's not as much pressure on if one of the two senior keepers was to go. Yeah. So it's probably quite a sure. sensible signing in the end. Yeah. Any other transfer links? I see I saw a couple of people added to the notes. Connor just, McBride was one someone added in. Yeah, that's just the usual journo from the Sun who seems to link random players with league clubs and they occasionally come off. Um, I don't know why we'd sign a centre-forward, particularly. No, not with Winnell fit. I think that was the only thing, wasn't it? It was that we all expect Winnell to get injured in the next like week or two. Mm-hmm. And then it's just like, do you rely on Dan Aji or do you put Aji out on loan and then have another cover for Matty? But it's just not a great gig for anyone, is it? That's the thing. I know we we tried. We'll talk. We'll come on to it. But we tried um, two up top, didn't we, from the start the other day, and it was kind of mm-hmm. worked all right at Bolton. But I just can't see that being our, you know, coming in enough. It's just all quiet on the left back um, front. That's 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 yeah. The, I mean, yeah, it is. And, isn't I it? and I think we're all more than happy with a. I was about to say a Joe Grayson type. I mean, an upgrade on Joe Grayson, but that kind of like. Not really going to threaten, but there if we have a problem. But that's we've got to hope that just kind of yeah. softly happens over the next day or so. We've got we've got room for one more loan player, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so okay. Well, there's yeah, but it, 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 they would need to be under twenty one because we're basically at the squad cap. So there'll be have right. to there'll have to be someone left out, probably Hanson, Osayor. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I just. I, I think the left back situation, I think, might come to sting us. I think um, if we don't get some cover in, because, like for example, at QPR, where we ended up with um, uh, with you know players or playing out of position. I mean, I know this is the other side of the fence at right back. Obviously, without Longy and Ford wasn't playing. You know, we had Chambers, Parallon playing at right back, and I know that it's a, I know it's QPR, and I know it's a cup game, and you know people have their opinions on whether these games matter and all this sort of stuff but I think in terms of squad depth the left back position is is just gaping isn't it really because well, if Seddon yeah. goes if Seddon gets injured then you're playing someone out of position who doesn't play there is going to go there again and we've had this situation season after season with I, I, the other I side I would not understand it if we didn't have adequate cover based on having a case study of your own team last season and <laughs> yeah <laughs> the, yeah what what happens? Um, other so beyond Aji, we mentioned Cooper, Hanson, Del Boy. Um, can people see anyone else departing beyond what we've said? We can kind of mention potential. You know, maybe there's something in sight. I can't see Sykes leaving no, at all. I think he's too versatile, similar to like Ford in in terms of what he would give us. I think but, I think Jan- yeah. January is any risks over the space for Sykes to to sort of potentially uh, Elliot Moore. I I think we we get we have him to at least January and the contract situation becomes even more vital then if he hasn't signed one by January. Yeah. yeah. I think the I think the captaincy thing I think will hopefully play in our favour. But ah, yeah. Uh, I hope Elliot Moore stays, but it's just another one of those classic Oxford United centre backs that we've seemed to develop in the last few years that seem to just flutter away from us because we seem to make them into world beaters. So it's, uh, yeah. even though I don't think Elliot Moore is a world beater, mind you, but what? in comparison to the other ones, but he is still a very important asset and I wouldn't want him to see him 
go. You've been to more games than us, Connor. What, what do you think of yeah. McNally and how he's started? Uh, he's been brilliant. I've been very, very impressed with him too. Honestly. I think the only thing I can really criticise him on is A, his foul throws. Oh which man, that are was amazing. Absolutely hilarious. I don't know if anyone actually caught that. The one, was it the Tuesday night game? Um, he pretty much hit himself in the uh, back of the head with his head right his leg. Foot. Yeah, honestly, that was hilarious. Um, you should have seen who was it against? Was it who was it? It was, I'm, I'm, I don't I'm remember now. Crew, was it crew? Yeah, yeah the crew, Tuesday night one. Yeah. yeah, you should have seen the crew manager impersonating his throwing in front of the fourth official. It was hilarious because <laughs> I was right, I was right like behind the dugout, so it was quite funny. Um, but no, I've been really impressed with him actually. I think, um, He's a big lad. He's very good in the air. He's, uh, you know, he's he's performed above expectations for his age. I think, and considering we've only just stepped into the position of, you know, first team professional football, um, I think he's done really well. He's he's quick, so he's quite good on the turn. Um, yeah, I, I've been really impressed with him. I think with with having someone, and this kind of works, uh, you know, in in terms of Thornley's favour. Thornley is a very good centre back. I think he's he's been brilliant as well so far. But he needs someone taller, stronger, and faster next to him. So McNally and Thornley actually work quite well together. So it was interesting to see when Elliot Moore stepped back in at the weekend that again Thornley plays well when he's got a bigger presence next to him. Um, yeah. And I think yeah. I think it's quite nice to see that if Thornley can be our, you know, if Thornley is the staple in the team and stays fit then it's nice to see that we've got two versatile options next to him in terms of McNally and more, depending on fitness and games and that, that sort of thing. Yeah, it's, it's weird, isn't it? Like the law of averages would mean that we're going to have a complete disaster centre-back come in at some point. It's, it's amazing how yeah. the kind of churn has been. We've just kept it going. But um... I think also one thing that's surprised me about him so far is he's happy to get a ball and play and play football. He's actually one of those... Uh, set of backs that is happy with the ball at his feet. I was quite impressed a few times where, you know, he, he's taken it off Stevens and he's playing forward and he actually is quite progressive with the ball, which is nice. And obviously that's something that's coached, I imagine. At his age, that's that's coached. So since the time he's he's had at Oxford, he's obviously been, you know, put into our model of trying to develop the, the Rob Dickey type who's comfortable yeah. with the ball at his feet. And he looks good. I was, uh, yeah, I was at, yeah, really impressed with him, to be honest, so far. So There's a, there's I, a lot I, of I, pressure on that, isn't there, to be that guy who brings so, the ball yeah. out after the last few. But anyway, right, let's get on to the games. Um, it's worth saying, before I forget, home form, I didn't realise it kind of continued on from last season. Like, if you ignore the Blackpool playoff defeat, that's seven league wins in a row at the Kassam. And I remember, you know, it's not too long ago when we were talking about um, really struggling for form or it not really being a fortress and our away form was carrying us through. So it's quite a nice um, a nice change there. But um, let's get... We haven't basically done a pod where we played any games. So we've got a few things we'll rattle through. Um, firstly, Connor, as you were there, opening day of the season away at Cambridge, what was that like mm-hmm. just to have the fans back? Um, yeah. Again, sold out away and it looked amazing um, watching it. It was good, yeah. I mean, it's... <laughs> We've had so long away from it and to have an away game as the first day is actually quite nice, to be honest with you, because you know you get the the proper hardcore supporters that go along and the atmosphere was good. Um, Oxbridge say, Derby one, as well. Oxbridge Derby, yeah, which doesn't exist. Um, but yeah, the, the away end was packed. Um, people were in good spirits. We started off well as well. Obviously, we've, we've said and, you know, getting on the score sheet 
um, relative, well, not say relatively early, but, you know, towards the end of the first half. Um, we looked really comfortable in that game for long periods of the top, long periods of the game. But it's one of those games where every opportunity you miss, you think this is going to come back and bite us on the arse. And that's exactly what happened with Sykesy giving away the penalty, which, yes, it was definitely a penalty. And also Sykesy yeah. was just lazy, hanging out a leg. It, it was one of those where, you know, when, you know when you're in the away end and you see that happen down the other end of the pitch and everyone's reaction is exactly the same. It's just, oh, for f- oh, sake, yeah. you know, it's one of them. Yeah. So, and obviously Joe Ironside's tucked, tucked, tucked away the penalty. I, I don't know why I started so much there. <laughs> but yeah, tucked away the penalty. And, um, <laughs> and it, yeah, it was a frustrating, it was a frustrating game, but it was uh, really good to be back. Really yeah. good. I, I did think, Jack, like your pre-season predictions was all around Seddon and he, he'd done really well in pre-season and then obviously he had a good game and he's he's gone He's he's proven to be a real asset, isn't he already? Yeah, well, I I thought is the, the I can't I'm stuttering now. The, the <laughs> defensive catching. side of his game would be his strong point, but that finish at Cambridge was great because yeah. he let it come across him and then hit it. He didn't lash at it; he controlled the finish. Um, and he's been involved in a lot of the good stuff we do. Actually, in fact, to be fair, as a back four, we, I, I know we've had to change it, and we'll touch on that. If Williams has been in and out, Ford's played, whoever else. Whichever four have played, they've all looked pretty composed on the ball as well. We know more is Fornley looks incredibly composed with ball at feet as well. So um, it's quite nice now to see that when we do lose players, the next person who comes in fits straight into the style we're trying to play quite quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. And then yeah. we went, um, played Burton Albion away in the League Cup. Not too much to talk about there apart from John Massinho's epic <laughs> smasher of a penalty uh, to win it. Oh, did he did he cup his ears and run across the pitch to all of his old fans that used to cheer his name at Burton? Who knows? It was I thought when Nathan Holland got off the mark there, it was a really good ball from Sykes from memory. Um I was just like, ah, oh, Nathan Holland, that's what he needs, you know, get that early goal in the season and then, you know, he'll be he'll be off to a flyer, but he's just been in and out and you can already see those like niggling injuries causing him problems. But hope hopefully he gets a clean bit of health going forward um john charlton at home 2-1 after that this was where wasn't it ryan williams had to fill in at right back it's hard to remember all these games isn't it because it's been so long but he filled in a right back and had an absolute blind yeah it was kind of like calamity 10 minutes before kickoff i mean it was an interesting game because i think we'd all charlton was supposed to be hyped up as being up there and they turned out to be almost the perfect opposition for us because they were a footballing team but they had no intensity whatsoever centre midfield was their centre midfield was non-existent so we kind of were able to play pretty easily all the time and you got to see why Gavin White will make such a difference because his pace was just ridiculous Gorin was just on it and not losing a not missing a tackle and that made a massive difference Brannigan was right up and, and again on Seddon and I'd say this pretty much every time I've seen him he's what I describe as like an auto fullback every time the ball goes in a certain part of the pitch he is motoring and I'm not saying like Ruffles and previous left-backs don't do that, but he just seems to click and he's always just there bombing on and it pushes teams back. It's the same with White. It's just We're just pushing all these teams back up the pitch and it's kind of why other players... I mean, I think Ford has done well at right-back. There's been less games recently where he's looked as exposed and I think it's because teams know that they can't... We can, we're pushing them back up the pitch through our other players being able to be really good out balls. So... You know the Charlton performance was was pretty damn good, really. Two 
two decent goals. Um, penalty was yeah a bit. I'm not. I, oh, I don't even want to. We don't need. We don't need to talk I, yeah. about that. But at the time, I was absolutely raging. But you know the um, yeah the whole the whole stadium was yeah. The referee would, did not have a good game that day either. He, we were on his back quite a lot. But I think Williams, you saw what Williams brings in that quite a few times he just did what he's supposed to. He put the ball in straight away. It's kind of he's, he's that style of winger, which I think we touched on as well. Um, There's the excellent work by the club with the social media where KR had his little diff of him getting booked. And he was like, what, what, what do you mean I've been booked? And he was like, well, we'll see that a few times this season for sure. That's a good memory um, there. I was surprised with Williams um, just, well, I guess I wasn't that surprised, but it showed like that maturity and that experience that he's got to be able to just at short notice fill in and then to put in that performance. I was just, he got man of the match as well, didn't he? Yeah, he was brilliant. He got caught out a few times defensively, but then what winger playing at right back wouldn't. Um, and I think he had a fantastic game overall, to be honest with you. And again, he did it, he did it the following game as well. So he was... Um, yeah, I, th- you know, I, I kind of go back a little bit on what I said on the last podcast where I said that I wasn't that impressed by his signing. But actually, I think now I've had a little bit of time to kind of look into see what type of player he's actually become now. I think he's he's a versatile player that offers something different to what we also have in the squad, as in those different types of wingers. Um, and obviously he showed his, his professionalism, really, being able to play it right back at such short notice and deliver, A, a good... Or relatively good defensive performance, but also a good attacking performance because he got on, you know, got on the score what sheet, was, what, and it was what good. What was goal. he doing there? Like you know, for someone who started a game, yeah, as he a was the right back. I, I yeah. thought it was like left yeah. wing. Um, yeah, he yeah, was. Yeah, he, he yeah he scored from literally the left wing. Yeah. I mean, to, to conclude and to conclude on Charlton, you know, Sean Clare didn't get a kick. You know, had no influence no, on the game. He did. So. Sorry, sorry, James. Yeah, he looked well, absolutely shy. I, I, I told, I told, I'm sorry to say, guys, but I told you all along he was shit. So. <laughs> Well, <clears throat> I'll take credit yeah. for that one. <laughs> I, I, I have to say that performance, though, especially the first half, we we just got into them so much. As soon as the, the possession turned over, we just got into them straight away, won it back, and then were composed with everything we did. But it was all the tempo was so quick. I kept thinking with like Williams starting, um, you know, when he because he started at Cambridge as well, and I thought first half of Cambridge we were really good. But the temp- you don't have to have all that pace in the side. It's, so long as the tempo of your play is quick, it kind of feels like, and like like John said, when you've got Seddon and, and White and others that are bombing on, um, I just thought, I was just watching that game going, this is unbelievable quality for like a League One game and what we were putting out. And it's kind of gone on from them. I'd say like the game after that crew on a Tuesday night, um, that game wasn't as pretty. Um yeah. And I thought we were quite lucky to come away with a with a win in that. Um, I don't know, Jack, what do you think? Yeah, I'd agree. But it's, it was quite nice that in those first few points of the season, we'd had a game, kind of an away draw that we were probably frustrated with. We'd had the professional positive performance against Charlton and then we went and did a 1-0 kind of robbed it type victory as well. Um, I think we were all quite nervous about the start of the season because of previous years. So to quickly show we've got different ways of getting points and winning games this early on against a crew yeah. side who just make it difficult. I think um, they're a bit short on players. They, you know, they came and didn't really give it much of a go, but we, you know, ground out a one nil scored, was it 33 minutes? So, you know, we, you know, saw it out 
um, without too many scares, although there were a couple. But no, it's just nice to see a different type of performance from the Charlton one when, where, where it was needed. Yeah, absolutely. Connor, you were there at that as well, weren't you? Yeah, I think the it was one of those where as the game ticked on, you were thinking, oh, don't, don't do it, don't do it, don't become a classic Oxygen United result where you end up throwing it away towards the end because... Crew definitely had chances in the last sort of five ten minutes. They really there was did one especially, on. wasn't there? It dropped yeah. on his left foot or but, something. Yeah, it was like he, a volley, and he just went, absolutely yeah. bowlplexed it, as we say. <laughs> yeah, it was bowlplexed. He went straight over the top, straight into the car park. Yeah, that was one of those where, again, as a fan, you sit there and you go, oh, and then, and then as soon as it goes over, you're screaming. Woo! So it was, um, yeah, it was, a, it, it was a, a a good professional result. I think it's one of those where. You know, if we creep into the playoffs because of three points, you might even look back at one of those games and go, you know, it's those types of three points that you need to win to get promoted at this level of football. You know, yeah. you need to beat those teams. And that's what we did. So I don't have any complaints. For sure. And then um, we move on to Bolton away. John, this was your first taste of football for a long time at a game. How, how was We all kind of talked about Bolton being a bit of a crappy away day, but did you manage to... See the sights of Bolton. No, get your swimmers on. No, we um because of the traffic, we arrived twenty minutes before kickoff and uh, dived straight in. But what Excellent. was brilliant was being able to walk around the because the the away end is like painted yellow and blue, which is amazing itself. Handy. I always think, well, that's that's not. Do they do that for every team that, that rocks I, I up? I always think that's very nice. <laughs> of them. That's very good of them. Um, but it was walking around the concourse and like doing that sort of face check of the away fans that you don't I don't know them, but. I know I've seen them around enough away games that you think this is this is being back at the football and this is amazing. Um, well, there are a few nods when you do the kind of nod. It's, thing. No, it's not even the nod. It, it's, the acknowledgement it's the look nod. of like, I don't know what I'd say to you, but I know you're here and I'm here and we're going to do this. And um, <laughs> yeah, but it's that yeah, it's just just nice to see those people you like who all just probably look at. I know what you mean. Everyone else looks. Everyone else looks. You're a bit of a weirdo, aren't you? But then they're like, but they probably think the same about you. So like, it's it's all it's all good. There was a decent, (laughs) yeah, fairly decent turnout. I think it was eight hundred odd, despite some of the sort of pre-game chat about it being more. So um, no, it was decent. It was the first time I'd heard because um, obviously we tend to use the chant about places where it's such and such a place is an s hole. I want to go home, and it was the first time I'd heard home fans sing. Oxford is an asshole. I want to go home, and it just tickled me because I was like, "We just, we just sit in this world. We're like, well, we know Oxford is not <laughs> like a crap, crap place. It's not Rotherham or Mansfield or whatever." What well, home fans were yeah. singing that at we, Bolton? We were singing it about Bolton standard chant, and they sang it back at Oxford, and I was like, mm, "Curious." To at least anyway. What what, what did you think when the uh, lineups came out and we had Taylor and Winnell both starting? What was the muttering? I think it was surprised that we all, you know, kind of excitedly heard KR mention it at the back end of last season that we were going to work on it in the summer. But try start trialing it from the start at Bolton, who are a decent team, was a surprise. You kind of thought it was, this was a bit of a plan B in game option. And to be fair, it was a it was an interesting one because to me it didn't work for Gavin White playing as a number ten, and it didn't work for the two wider central midfielders, i.e. Brannigan and Sykes. Because, like, hmm. Bolton were getting in down the right-hand side countless amount of times, and Brannigan was making lots of last-ditch tackles, which was, like, 
fantastic. Cam Brannigan playing amazingly, but it was kind of telling you that they were getting in down the sides quite a lot. But then there were quite a few moments when Taylor, Winnell and White were kind of doing little flicks and not, and drop-offs and then running around the side, all because of the fact they were in five, ten yards of each other. And that was that was working. So, and Taylor seemed to get a lot from it. Um, but you could just tell that the two wide midfielders were struggling a lot. Sykes had an absolute mare of a game, really, which culminated him sort of doing that thing where footballers try and blast the ball at the opposition player, thinking it's going to get a nick and going for a throw-in and not getting that nick, so it just looks ridiculous. <laughs> and he was just losing his head and he just kind of sort of moved off the ball a lot. Was, was there any interplay between Taylor and Winnell? Like, yeah. As a kind of... Yeah, exactly. There was little, like, like, little, you know, head around the side, kind of layoff, move, go. Mm. Um, you know, Winnell had some moments where he had some really nice touches um, and you could see the mm. kind of quality of him. So there, there was pros and cons of the system at times, really. But you could definitely say there were men up the field and Bolton took a bit of time to work it out how to how to get round it. And then they came back into the game. Um and their left winger was ridiculously good, the guy who scored the goal. Um mm. but we weren't I did that goal pissed me off, by the way, because I just felt they'd cut in enough times and had a go um from outside the box, or at least had te- like kind of suggested they were going to do that and then he was just in far too much space and then I also thought Stevens well this is this that, is an but... interesting thing so Stevens reacted like he thought he should have saved it and I almost I think I'm a bit harsh on keepers I always kind of want them to do the amazing thing but it was one of those where I was like a top quality keeper I think saves it it bounced in an awkward place and that is the defense of yeah of anyone but yeah um but no I mean but on the real positives the first 15 minutes of the second half, we were absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And it was kind of, we were moving the ball, possession, we were making possession count as well. So we were playing a lot of balls in round the side. And you could see that thing where at times we complained about in the past where the interplay is not there. And the sort of one person player gets the ball in one position, then two of them instantly move to another part of the pitch. All that stuff was coming off. And we were just tearing them to shreds. And Bolton, to be fair to them, did tactical injuries and that stalled us and you could see them doing it, but it was ridiculous how good we were for that 15 minutes after second half. I think the the thing that really kind of shot us in the foot was just our lack of quality in the final third in that game because Gavin White, for example, had quite a few opportunities oh. and I mean, not, not to mention the final minute one, which actually, um, has a little bit of a funny story attached to it for what happened when I was sat watching it. I was sat watching it with Sophie and uh, I had a glass of water on the table and as he put that ball over the top, that glass of water went flying and it went all over her. So she wasn't particularly pleased when I uh, kicked the glass of water, not on purpose, obviously, but I was fuming. Oh, what, that what, what, what an accident. She's um, all wet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> she, was absolutely, she was absolutely drenched. So... There was, yeah. There, I find I walked away from that game disappointed that we kept that we threw it away. To be honest with you, I think that was one of those where you, you look at it. It was a decent performance. It was interesting with the formation we played and the link up between certain players. But you can't you can't miss that many opportunities. I, I just yeah. think it was just to lose two one there was was just ridiculous. We had so many chances. The formation to to, to put a ball in there. Definitely positive 
on the counter, we weren't sharp enough around our own box. We let them have far too many chances. Yeah. But if you think about the games that we're battering through in this podcast, you could see the progression kind of continue through the way the team was shaping up. And, you know, I thought KR's analysis of that game was the best I've probably heard from him because he was he absolutely got the point that it wasn't a bad loss. Bolden fans after the game were like, I don't know how we got away with that. And I, yeah, I was about was to those... say that. I, like, definitely uh, the 20 minutes in the second half that you kind of referenced, Bolton fans will be looking at that going, we don't look like the home team here type thing. So, um, yeah, it, it's kind of a good sign, isn't it, when you know home fans are coming away looking at that and saying we've kind of got got away with that a bit. Do you think we'll try that formation again, Jack? It sounded like... Um, I remember Matty Taylor in his interview was praising it as well, saying he quite enjoyed that shape and felt like it was, you know, a good option to go for again. I think we will, if if even just to give the opposition something different to think about, because I suppose over the last few seasons, we have become a little bit predictable. So if we, if we can change it up, and even if it's only for, you know, the first half or whatever, or change system when we're chasing the game, if necessary. Um, I think there was some positive points in it. Like John said, Winnell and Taylor did seem to be developing an understanding as a two. And I thought, I thought Winnell's ball three for Taylor was brilliant striker play from both of them. Because Taylor, it was a, that kind of run where you could almost imagine Taylor shouting now as he got between the two defenders. Um, I think Winnell has got that, but we just haven't seen him play enough games in a row to to consistently show it. It's getting to that point with Winnell and you can see it in his reaction to stuff that he's trying so hard. And sometimes I'm like, don't yeah. show it. Don't show how pissed off you are that you missed or you've done that or that. But then the other side of me was like, actually, it's probably better that he looks like he cares. Um, but I just want, you know, it might, it, sure, does that get to his head at any point? Is he experienced enough? He's 30 now, isn't he? Like, I don't know. He he definitely needs a goal. Definitely. I think, especially after um, Lincoln, when he came on and, and to be honest with you, all, he did, all, end, all he did was was have a shot on target and then give away a penalty. So I think he's a bit. I think yeah. I think I'll be honest with you. I, I'm still not overstruck on Winnell. Every time I see him come on as a sub, I think oh, for God's sake, like you know. But it's a, I think I, I hope you know. It's one of those where I think if he does get on the score sheet, I think perhaps he might build upon it. But Matty Taylor's still number one for me. Well, I well, know he's number yeah, nine, course, but yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah, um, so we went from that game, obviously first defeat of the season, played QPR in the League Cup. Again, Connor, you headed down, didn't you? Yeah. The... Um, did Could you have predicted, did you put a bet on a certain centre-back scoring after a marauding run? <laughs> I, was, I was actually next to Lewis. Um, we, we sat together, who was, if you've not listened to previous parties, the one that put a bet on for, for Rob Dickey the entire season to score. For us, and he never scored for us, so he never won yeah, his bet. He just lost forty six quid. Um, we we did say we did say we reckon he'll score, and and he did, which was it was uh, yeah okay, it was a great goal. Like it was a great goal, but the fact that he had that much space was ridiculous. Alex Goran lost him, and to be honest with you, he just he just one his, touch, his way. Yeah, and then leathered it in the top so. bins. Yeah, and it was just one of those goals where I think it's all, all two thousand of us were just like. Oh, for God's sake! Like not him, because we we were like, oh, like we all love him, you know. Yeah, at the end, of, not being funny, during the second half, just before he got substituted off, we were sick. Every, the whole 
2,000 Oxford fans were singing Rob Dickey's name. And you're like, that's just a bit weird, like, even though he plays for another team. But he he was he was uh, very graceful, I think, Rob Dickey, the way he yeah. was like, clapping the fans. I, and imagine all that. scoring and the he, goalie yeah. a lot. I know he, and he scored, didn't he celebrate. scored some belters. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Imagine yeah, he scoring was... a belter like that and then not yeah, celebrating he, as well. Yeah. yeah, to be fair, he... What I liked about his cele- like his celebration was that he literally turned and walked away from us. Like he didn't he didn't run towards the Oxford fans or even towards the goal. He just kind of like hit it, went in, and he kind of just walked. No, he didn't do anything like that. He just kind of walked off. So, but yeah, I mean the 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 game itself it was a very uh, frustrating one, I think, because there were times in the first sort of fifteen minutes where we actually looked quite decent. Um, I thought McGuane, um, contrary to the fact he got subbed off at half time. He played forward. He was every time he got the ball, he was on a half turn. He was playing forward. Um, I think yeah. we looked, we looked, well, we looked so vulnerable on our right hand side. Their left wingers or, or left left sided players were abusing um, Chambers' parallel, To be honest with you, because a the poor lads out of position anyway, and Dan Adji offered absolutely zero cover to help him. Um, and they were just, they were really threatening down there. And Elias Chair as well, who is one of their best yeah, players. Yeah, he, he, he was on. He was on. Yeah, he, he, yeah. he's a very neat, very neat, tidy player. And you could see that obviously he was a centre attacking midfield player and he was drifting towards, you know, the left or the left, our, yeah. our right side. You could see that. where the weakness was and they played to that. Um, and obviously their, their, their goals came from those areas. Well, obviously Dickie scored the screamer, and then obviously the the second goal was a deflected deflected shot from that side off Chambers' parallel. But it was, yeah, I think the the substitution at half time with Cameron Brannigan, he came on and was electric. He played really well. Um, he he definitely could hold his head up high after that defeat. Um, but again, in the second half we didn't concede. We we created a few chances. Um, but it's one of those games where you go. As, as an away fan, after what we've been through in the last 18 months or so, you go because your team's playing away at a bigger team. Uh, the atmosphere was absolutely brilliant. Like I was about to ask that. Lo- Loftus brilliant. Road. I haven't ticked that one off my list. Um, yeah, it I, was no, good. Maybe I did, like, not... We played them first day of the season, didn't we? But I was, a, I was like 10 years old. I barely remember it. It was a Daniel nice, Dicchio nice stadium. Yeah, I, did I we have both it. tiers of the We did, yeah. Goal? yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was in the upper tier behind the goal. Um we had we had Rosie. Rosie was in the crowd just in front of us, so oh, um, nice. uh, that was nice to see him and his son. But yeah, he yeah, the atmosphere was absolutely electric. Like the Oxford fans were brilliant, and the QPR fans, well, they might as well not bother turning up to be honest. Who didn't even hear? Oh wow, off, shots fired after the yeah. nice well, summary of the game. I think yeah. they're they're tipped to um, <laughs> you know be top six or so this season. They're a good side. So good I think side. you know that's it's a really tough yeah. game that, and they played yeah. some big hitters. So yeah. You can see that if they keep a nice chair fit, then yeah, de- then definitely because he he definitely like their talent. Was it pre? He was very. Was good. it premeditated for McGrain to come off, or did he come off through injury? I he he wasn't injured. Um, I was surprised he came off because I I actually thought he was one of the better players on the pitch because of like I said the way that he every time he got the ball he's very he's a very positive player. And that's what I like about him is he's always on the half turn. He's always looking to play forward. And then he came off at half time, and we were a bit like, okay, like, don't know what's going on there. Oh, and also, we lost uh, Holland because Holland was ill. He was sick at half time, and then came out on the pitch, and then was ill again. Um, so he came off as well. Gavin White came on, which actually did 
actually started to help James Paramount a little bit because they actually swapped over. Um, but yeah, it was uh, an interesting performance. I think the second half was much better, but I do I do wonder how much of the second half was actually down to Cameron Brannigan because he was his pressing game was well, they, unbelievable. Also, QPR just didn't really have to do anything <laughs> by that point. But anyway, right. The only other thing we should watch out for before we move on from QPR is see if Rob Dickey gets sold tomorrow because I hope um, so. There, there is a it's been tipped that people yeah we get I forget what the percentage yeah. is I don't think anyone knows but it'd be interesting to know if we've got a good we, sell on clause there we were we were singing uh, we want our Dicky back is one of the songs we were singing and also uh, Rob Dicky he's way too good for you so I think the QPR fans knew what, what we thought of Rob Dicky by the time we'd left yeah well let's you know let's see what happens there right final game to catch up on then was um on Saturday and it was obviously us dismantling Michael Appleton's Lincoln, which was um, a glorious performance to be fair. I just, I thought we were absolutely sublime like throughout the whole thing. And I heard a debate between Jerome and Stevie on, wasn't it the game? Um, I think it was after the Bolton game where they were talking about um, starting 11s and stuff. And, to be fair, so I think Stevie K said that, you know, it'd be that kind of McWayne, Brannigan and Gorin holding. I think a lot of us would probably subscribe to that as well, at least at the beginning of the season. But James Henry, obviously, has found his way into that team. John, I don't think he's coming out anytime soon. No, and I remember talking about this in the, in the preview pod that I don't necessarily have the answer, but I feel like you need to have Henry's guile and sort of ability to sort of change the game and ping them in from like 20 yards in the team. And I, I'd almost toy you could try him on the on the right and have those three in the central midfield. But I don't know quite know the answer, but, you know, I think this point was made by elsewhere, but it, you know, it's one I'd sign up to as well, is Brannigan and, and McGuane don't yet have their shooting boots sort of locked in. So it is only really Henry who can score a goal from 20 yards out in the team, really. So he's kind of got to be in it for that moment. If you think about Sunderland away last season, where from that ridiculous angle, he just sort of cleanly pinged one in the bottom corner and that came out of nowhere. And we need him in for that sort of space. I don't really buy the whole kind of, he's 32, he needs, you know, the time, he, his game time he's managing. 32-year-olds play 48 games a season. I don't, I don't understand that bit either. It just seems to be a bit of a ruse to kind of say, this is why he might not always play every game. Um I still think there's potentially yeah. games against bigger teams where we need to sort of balance the midfield and he's possibly one who likes to go roaming at times. But then other dynamics that I talked about earlier about having the pace of White and Holland, I think just changes the dynamic of how teams play against us because they they know that they can't just flood us because we've got static, relatively slow players in the team. So yeah, I don't have, I don't have an answer and it's a great problem to have, I think. Well, we said we were having a laugh on the first pod of the season about the fact we always talk about James Henry, you know, going out wide or playing in the centre. Jack, those two first two goals, though, were just class, weren't they? Like, just picked up. I think the first goal didn't Fawnley, you know, break out of defence and then play it across. Brilliant pass. Great, like, vision to see that as well. Well, those those goals were like the kind of goals Sunderland, apart from last year, he was scoring almost every other week about two seasons ago. And for, yeah. a, for a while last season, we were saying like he's just forgotten how to shoot. 
because um, there was a time where if James Henry got the ball 20 yards out, you're expecting the net to, to go. Um, both different finishes as well, obviously either side the keeper. But he always seems to be able to create time for himself, no matter how many players are around him or closing him down or whatever. He has, he has the ability to, to pick his spot. I think the thing is as well, he's, he's had a bit of a strange career with us because a lot of fans still don't seem to massively take to him. We don't have a song for him. But in his iFollow interview, he was saying, you know, he's only about three goals off our top five football league oh, scorers yeah. ever now. You know, in a, a history of our club, we've had some good players. As a midfielder as well. And he's going to be, well, yeah, and that's the thing, isn't it? He's going to be, you know, looked back on in those stats as a fantastic player. I'm not sure we've ever, as a fan base, quite seen him in that way for whatever reason. I yeah. think the the time he was most loved was probably where he just got us out of the rele- relegation scrap almost single-handedly, like scoring that goal away at Doncaster. And that was where he was just pulling out performances every week. But I, I agree with that. He's got, so he's already got four this season. Um, he's now got 50 goals for the, for the club. And that was the, the whole thing around his celebration. I thought it was a golf swing, but it was a cricket bat. And it was to mark a century of goals in the football league. So fair play to, James Henry, um, Connor. Anything else to add on the performance? Like it, it was just a really impressive, comfortable win. And again, we got into them. They had no time. They had a bunch of injuries, Lincoln. But and K- KR yeah. did talk about that afterwards. But we just, you know, we just took yeah. the game to them early on. Got the result done and dusted. Really, that's that's it. I, I described the game in the last kind of well by by the seventieth minute. I turned to my dad and I said. If we play like that every single game this season, we will cause every team in this league problems because we were brilliant. We were absolutely brilliant. Apart from obviously giving away the penalty, unfortunately, and then conceding and not keeping a clean sheet, it was almost a, from a fan's perspective anyway, from someone who's not drilled into the technical and tactical bits and bobs that KR would be, it was a, a faultless performance. They were they were outstanding. I think every player on the pitch was at least a seven or an eight out of ten. And if you get that every every week, then you're laughing. Um, it obviously doesn't happen like that, but it was yeah. uh, it was very good, really, really impressive. I think the defense um, they soaked up anything that any and all the little bits on the turnover, like the way we won the ball back from when they would try and play forward, and we like Gorin and Thornley were the two that were really influential in winning the ball back. And then turning the game over straight away and you were just on them instantly. And I think it was just, yeah, just really, really pleasing performance. I think so far this season, I've been really impressed. Um, like, like obviously we go back to the Bolton game where it was, a, a, again, a really good performance. I think I think we've started, we've started off really well. And for yeah. once, we can actually say right. that because it's been a long time since we've been able to say that. Um, fourth I, time I'm, lucky? Third, yeah, fourth? fourth, fourth, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, really impressed so far. Thornley was my pick, but based on just nothing really, apart from a, a thirty-second YouTube reel to be player of the season. But I'm, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good with my prediction. Yeah, I, I think dropped he, that in there casually. Yeah. He, yeah, well, he's, he's looking, he's looking like um, a really good replacement for Atkinson um, in terms of. Being a left-sided player, being able to play play forward, he's comfortable on the ball. He's very calm. Like he's one of those players that, when the ball goes towards him and he's got someone coming near him, you're just like, 
it's okay. It's Thornley. Like, it isn't, do you remember when Shay Dunkley had the ball when he first started oh, God, with us? Yeah. And every time he had the ball at yeah. his feet, you were like, oh, shit, like, where's this going to go? It didn't look it's comfortable no, it's, it for a long no, time. No, it's nothing yeah. like that. He's so composed. Um, and, yeah, I think he, he's he's going to be a, a real asset for us this season. And given his contract situation at Blackpool, it would be interesting to see whether or not he's a, well, that, a permanent addition at some that. point. Didn't mention that earlier, really, but whether he could be used as a make weight in the um, Brannigan, Brannigan deal. deal. But hopefully, that doesn't play out for anything. But yeah, I think with I think with his contract at, at Blackpool, I think that would probably be dead weight, to be honest. Yeah, um, if he had a few years left, it might be different, but I'm not convinced. I saw we were top of the XG table from open play across the season, first five games across all clubs. Some people listening might like the sound of that. I mean, it looks good being top of any table. Um, but yeah, right. What's going on across League One? I guess we're five games in. Um, Sunderland and Wednesday both had good starts. Obviously, we, we play them in um, succession, don't we, in early August. So that's going to be interesting. Two away games, Wednesday first, and then the weekend later playing Sunderland. Early August? Uh, sorry, October. That's what I mean. <laughs> My bad. Um yeah, second and ninth. I'm going to try and get to both of them. It's going to be, uh, yeah, Messy. they'll be interesting games. Um, <laughs> anyone been impressed with anyone else? Anything else stood out to anyone? I think um, Ipswich struggling. Yeah, that's well, been, Ips, it's been great. Ipswich yeah. just signed player number 17 of the window today, so they're well and truly under the yet-to-gel definition. Mm, it interesting to see. Yeah, Walton from Brighton. But it'll be interesting to see how long their fans give Cook because they've had a complete kind of revolution this summer with takeover manager players. Um, Ed Sheeran. Ed Sheeran, yeah. <laughs> um, I'd, I'd just scribbled that the, the table's probably not too far away from what you might expect. Maybe Lincoln, Charlton, Donny probably haven't got off to a start that you might have thought. Burton, Aki, Cambridge being relatively comfortable top halves, probably a surprise, but Aki always seemed to get off to a good start. Um, so, yeah, it's I mean, it's pretty tight really, isn't it? No one's won five from five. Sunderland looked to be a force, potentially. Maybe they're getting it together under Johnson. But Yeah, I mean, Milton Keynes have scored 10 already as well. Yeah, they're taking off where they carried on, carried on from where they took off last season. Um, it's, I think it's going to be a bizarre league this season. There's going to be so many six-pointers at both ends of the table. Portsmouth have scored four goals. That's it. In the entire part wow. of the season. And they've only conceded one, hence why they've got ten points. But I think um I mean Sunderland, as we know, they they do start okay and then it's more critical parts of the season they struggle with. But you know, we'll see where that goes. Sheffield Wednesday's interesting because they were relatively unstable, yet they seem to be reasonably where you'd expect them to be. Um but their fan base will be on them a la Sunderland as well. So that's a I wonder if Marvin Johnson's starting for them since he's come in. I haven't checked yet. I think he's definitely played a couple of games, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. And it but it makes you you know, I I reference like the um the run early October, but that's kind of why the next batch of games again could be really important as well. Like if we can get through September where we've got so we'll talk about Wimbledon a little bit next. So we've got Wimbledon away after the tin pot surprise on Tuesday away at Cambridge. Um, then we've got Wickham at home. So that'll be a big 
spicy game, you'd think. Um, Cheltenham away, another kind of local derby, but you'd expect us to get a result there. Steve Evans, Gilliam haven't been great. Have he's they? imploding. He pulling he's out imploding. Jack will know. He, he has alerts on um, Steve Evans on Google, I imagine. <laughs> his, uh, I was quite pleased to see his assistant got attacked by Shrewsbury's substitute keeper on Saturday. That was quite fun. There's a ruckus <laughs> in the technical area and Shrewsbury's sub-keeper just ran from the home dugout into the away dugout and ended on, on top of Paul Rayner. So Gilligan being uh, as equally vile and disgusting as always. Yeah. <clears throat> but continuing that on, so yeah, Gillingham at home and then Accrington at home as well. So, you know, you've got to fancy us with that run. If we if we can have a good September and continue the good start to the season before we get into kind of Wednesday and Sunderland away, that would be massive, wouldn't it? If we can still be hanging around kind of the top four or five going into those games with a load of confidence behind us, that's what we that's what we want. Cool. Um, so Wimbledon uh, next next week. Next week, has anyone done any research? Or are we just going to have to wing it based on where they are? Jack, come on, research, research. Yeah, corner. yeah. They've drawn a lot of games so far. Three of their five. They've scored eight, conceded eight, eight different scorers, and they've got. And I think Connor will back this up as well. One of the youngest, if not the youngest, squad in the league this season. They've only got five players aged twenty six and over. Um, so it seems to be, I don't know if they're academy or kind of young players they pick up from Premier League clubs like we've done in the past. Um, it's but it's I, mostly I, that I, model, I think. Yeah, I think um, yeah. I think they've changed their style a little bit under, is it Mark Robinson, their manager, or Paul or Dave? or It's a Robinson anyway. Um, <laughs> I think they try and get it down and play it wide rather than being as kind of physical. Um, but I mean, first trip to Plough Lane for... Oxford fans or the oh, new yeah. plough lane so um, yeah. I imagine we we have sold out or will sell out it looks like a nice stadium does that I look forward to getting down there at some some stage yeah it does look nice I um I spoke to the my friend who's a Wimbledon fan mm-hmm. <laughs> can't not mention that um he's actually the program editor now at Wimbledon um so uh, I spoke to him and he pretty much reiterated what uh, Jack said, um, he said, keep an eye out for Henry Lawrence, right back, and their new centre half, uh, Ben Hegan, who has also started the season well, apparently. So, those interesting two defensive players. Um, but he <laughs> also they, said, did they replace Piggott? Like, did they know. get, they sold Piggott to got, Ipswich, didn't they? Well, yeah. yeah, they've got a lad on loan, um, but I think they've got a young kind of number 10. Asal, I think it is, who seems to be the kind of exciting player. So I don't think they've really got an out and out. Well, I don't want to say this because we're playing them on Saturday, but I don't think they've got an out and out goal scorer. <laughs> He's going to go score a hat trick against us now. Yeah, Oli yeah. Palmer probably. But yeah. yeah. He did also say, I could speak about how a win against Oxford could showcase Wimbledon's credentials as a playoff dark horse. And I replied with plenty of the Pinocchio emoji faces back to that comment because uh, that's a load of shit. So uh, you don't want to be eating your words though. I'd, I'd just left it blank until after the game. No, can't, can't be doing with that. I don't believe in that rubbish. <laughs> Their a- average age, according to website, is uh, 24 bang on. Ours is 26.4. But the youngest looks to be MK Dons at 23.9. 
there you go. Oh, that's contentious. Oh, that's why they'll be. That's why they'll be saying they're the youngest squad in the league. Yeah, because yeah, MK yeah. Dons don't exist. Uh, yeah, no, I've... we are 0.1 older than you. <laughs> Stats make things fun. We are point... Yeah, don't they just? Uh, right. Well, how many have they lost actually? So they 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 played five, one, one, drawn three, lost one. So they've only lost one out of five. Wimbledon. That was Sunderland away. Well, there you go. So going to be a difficult game regardless next week. Okay, should we leave it there then, lads? Anyone got anything else they want to get off their chest? Anyone got a shirt? I've ordered my um, away kit, the black one, but it hasn't arrived. Mm. Yeah, I quite like it. Yeah, I've ordered one as well. Um, It will be probably with you in the next, uh, hopefully next week. I spoke to uh, Cameron from the shop. No, well, one of my my mates, my mate works there, so I spoke to him at the weekend, and he said that they are coming in this week. He expects them in this week, so I think they'll be shipped out next week. So okay. hopefully you'll get them in. And if and if that doesn't happen, then you can blame Cameron. So finally, something useful for people who listen. Shirts will be dispatched, and also and also right at the end of the podcast. Yeah, I know, but no one's hearing it. Then, <laughs> is anyone going to take the plunge and get the third electric kit? Yeah, my my dad's my dad's getting that one. Oh really? So, he, big Nick, he's going for it. I'm not sure if anyone over the age of twenty one. Well, he's, well, he's he's fifty eight and he's going for it. So I think I might get it. I'm just under. I needed. I need to like see it in the flesh. It's like, one of those kits. Game. Yeah, I think it's one of those kits. I saw it at, um, at Cambridge. I think it's one of those kits where, as a full strip, as a football player, it looks mint. But I think, as a fan wearing it with a pair of jeans. It, you it, look like a wanker. Yeah, you look like a bit of a wanker. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think that's why the black one is a little bit more subtle, and I think yeah, it's, uh, I think it's quite so. smart actually. But yeah, the the um, the home kit's a bit meh this season. I think. There you go, Puma. There is your feedback on our kits this season. Thank you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Lovely stuff. Right, um, as always, thanks for listening. We'll probably be a little bit more regular than we have been um, in the coming weeks. Uh, And yeah, we'll see you again soon. See you later.